Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 119. Today we're discussing website redesigns, what should you consider, what are the things that you should be looking out for, and how do you go about uh, doing your website redesign. Before we get into today's show, I'd like to remind you, uh, WP Tonic is a service at WP.com is a maintenance service that helps you with your legacy clients. Uh, if you're a designer or developer and you're getting busy or you're raising your rates and you have legacy clients that you still want to provide service to, WP Tonic can help you with that uh, by taking over some of your legacy clients. Um, our panel today is uh, Sally Getch, Jackie Galea, and Jonathan Denwood. Panel, would you like to introduce yourselves? Uh, this time we'll go counterclockwise, so Jackie. Hi, I'm Jackie D'Elia with Jackie D'Elia Design. build websites for clients and help them with, the, with their brand. And I'm also the host of Rethink.fm. Very good, and you definitely do check as well. I will plug out Rethink.fm. Jonathan. Yeah, I'm the founder of WP Tonic, like um, John so graciously put. We help you with your legacy clients. If you're a developer, designer, WordPress consultant, um, send us a, them to us, and we deal with those legacy clients in a great way. Yes, uh, I'm Sally Getch. Uh, my business is WP Fangirl. I help businesses and nonprofits to uh, make great WordPress websites that work for them. I'm the organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California. Uh, and, you know, convince those clients that they and, and stop pesting little updates. Very, very good. Uh, and I am John Locke. Uh, I run a WordPress consultancy here in Sacramento, California called Lockdown Design. And I specialize in helping businesses with various things like local SEO and setting up e-commerce. Um, so before we get into our main topic today, we've got three news stories. The first WordPress news story is WordPress 4.6 Pepper was released. Uh, so we'll start with Sally. Uh, what can you tell us about this? Uh, well, uh, you know, there was a, an article of, a couple of weeks ago about, you know, how, you know, WordPress doesn't really have landmark releases anymore with, with really big, exciting features in them. And, and it's partly because the frequency of releases uh, got speeded up considerably. So the change between one version and, and the next one is, is not going to be as uh, dramatic. Um, and uh, so there are some under the hood things about uh, term queries that look interesting to me, but I haven't had time to uh, investigate them. But, you know, the thing you noticed first is that they've switched to using system fonts in the admin. And I especially noticed system font is smaller at the same uh, pixel size than my, than, than uh, and, uh, you know, I saw some people saying, wait, did they, did they change the font size? No, they just changed the font. Uh, but, uh, you know, the irony is that, that I've actually 
used Open Sans as, as the font for some of my other system stuff, like Outlook, because I prefer it to the system font in, in Windows. Uh, so, you know, this is sort of, you know, a, a minor irritation. It, it, it's not a problem. Uh, I've updated a bunch of sites and nothing broke. Uh, and... Uh, you know, I'm not sure to to what degree I'll be making use of the additional uh, shiny update options for uh, themes, uh, since I tend to build a lot of child themes and they don't have automatic updates. Uh, yeah, totally. And I did notice that too. That was the very first thing I noticed is uh, it's the same pixel size, but because it's using it's switching to the system fonts, which is basically what you have on your machine. Um, and not open sans, it's it's uh, it looks a lot smaller. Uh, Jackie, what what have you uh, noticed? Uh, what's exciting to you, like in WordPress four point six? I I like the way that the uh, plugin updates work now. I think that's a little cleaner, and it's a lot less back and forth on the different screens. It's more um, of a cohesive. Um, use of that uh, of the whole process because normally you would go, you would have to download the plugin or install the plugin and then you'd get sent to another screen to activate it and so I like the way that that works and I like uh, especially like when you're updating a lot of plugins you know you've got a nice the, the way that it's set up right now it's working a lot better so I think that'll be easier for people to um, understand I think the user interface is better on that no and I really do enjoy that too you don't have to switch to a different screen to update your plugins I think that is a lot smoother you can kind of see it, you know, happening. Uh, so I definitely think that's good. Uh, Jonathan, what what things in four point six are are you most excited about? Well, excited. I won't quite say excited, but I think I uh, I agree with Jackie and Sally. Um, obviously, the thing that kind of showed up straight away is the new font um, and how that works. And it's surprising how you just kind of oh. You know, it looks really different, doesn't it? A small change like that. It's amazing, really. And I totally agree with Jackie. The plugin, the way the plugins are now being handled is a lot cleaner. Um, on the bad side, well, it's not exactly bad because I managed to get a couple of new clients. Is If you do, which is bound to happen. But I think I just sense it's a lot more at the present moment. It took down quite a few sites. Um um, because there were some quite, I wouldn't say massive, but under the hood, there were some significant changes that if, I'm trying to find the right words here, if your f theme hadn't been coded to maybe the letter of the recommendations, um, that um, you could have some problems and... Um, but maybe that just goes with the territory. But just, I just sense there's a little bit more people having problems. Right. Well, there, the uh, Studio Press people did a good job of getting the word out about you need to update Genesis before you update yes. Press. Because they, you know, they had discovered that that your site would break if if you didn't. Um, and somebody posted a how to fix it if you know if for some reason you you got them didn't get the message, um, and. You know, I hadn't thought about it, but it doesn't surprise me that much that there are other themes where either they didn't, up, you know, the author didn't update the theme or the user didn't update the theme before updating uh, WordPress. 
I think there's there's going to be a lot of issues going forward as things continue to progress in WordPress, especially with older plugins that a lot of people are using and older themes because themes are the most difficult to get updated. Most people, uh, you know, nobody's going to be pushing updates to themes. Most of the themes are end up being customized by the user. And plugins, the, the repository has a lot of plugins in there. And, you know, they send out notices, you know, make sure your plugins are compatible. And I just wonder how many of them that, you know, haven't been updated in a year or eight months or 12 months, you know, whatever, uh, haven't looked at those things. And, and like you're saying, some of the users end up having their sites come down when they update WordPress. And a lot of hosts are automatically updated, so it's not even where you're planning it. It's just, you got a note saying, yeah, WordPress has been updated and you might have some problems now. No, and, and definitely, I think especially um, because so many people use theme forest themes and, you know, I've run into this a number of times, like people don't have this to it. And so they you know don't update it or if they update wordpress they're still using a theme from like a year and a half ago uh that's very common so it's it's very important to you know if you're buying a premium theme you know keep that licensed uh so that you can get updates uh the things that i'm most excited about i think in this is uh there's one in improved disaster recovery mode where Say you're in the, the content editor, say you're editing like post, WordPress will automatically save post title content and excerpt in the browser every 15 seconds. Um, I know where I'm at, like the internet can be really spotty sometimes, so I'm just like not be there from <laughs> just suddenly, so that's pretty cool. Uh, the other thing that, that is significant, I think, is uh. They've standardized uh, registry meta, um, and there's some enhancements there. They've decreased the arguments from four to three, so that's something to be aware of. Uh, there's now a WP post type for each registered post type, so that will be a little bit more predictable, say, if you're doing like, some hardcore development instead of just having WP post, you got post type. So I think that's pretty good. Um, Going into our second news story, this kind of seemed to be the big news story of the week. It kind of blew up on WP Tavern is this article called Us Versus Them. And basically it was just kind of outlining a lot of frustration that people uh, have been having maybe and sensing that the WordPress core team and then kind of everybody else who is not the core team um, Maybe they're at odds. And Sally, what, what, what are your thoughts on this? You know, I don't have any personal experience of it. Uh, I have heard from some people that, that, you know, there are times when you make suggestions about things that should be improved in, in, in WordPress, uh, you know, that, that some people have, have just sort of been dismissed without much explanation or, or uh, consideration and, uh, then they become rather cynical about it. You know, I've never tried to submit a patch to core um, or to, to uh, you know, make an uninvited suggestion, uh, you know, although, you know, I've heard lots of people say, and I believe it's true, you know, it, it, the word code of WordPress would be better if you went back and rewrote it from the beginning. Uh, 
and but you know then you're going to break backwards compatibility you're going to you know there are reasons why things are not as simple as you think they are um and uh, so you know i can't tell what you know whether there are some people who you know frequently behave badly uh i have met a number of the core team members they all seem like perfectly nice people to me um but i can also understand that if you're under a lot of pressure to get something done uh you might be a little short with people who are are insisting that you need to to do it another way and i can also understand that if you're one of those people making a, a well-meant suggestion you might be distressed if if you feel like you got the brush off and I think that's uh, a totally human reaction. I, and I'll just say I think this is more like a human issue than it is necessarily like a, a WordPress issue. But Jackie, uh, what do you think about this article? I thought the comments were like fascinating. I read Jackie. the I read the article, and the things that jumped out the most to me were Morton's comments, which I thought were very good. And I think everybody who um, is interested in reading this article, don't just read the article, go down through and read the comments and especially read what Morton wrote because that to me is just spot on and, and right on target as far as what's what's really needed going forward. And I, I won't try to summarize exactly what he said, but go read it. See if you feel the same way. No, and I totally agree. Um, yeah, and in... You know, I think sometimes, like, when, when you're working on a project, like, you know, as large as, like, WordPress, and, and it's huge because we're powering, you know, 26% of all the websites. I think the people who are involved in it every day, they do have kind of an internal language that maybe is, like, difficult for people on the outside to kind of relate to. Um, and one thing Morton pointed something. out, one thing Morton pointed out on there that is worth noting is, is that having long-term roadmaps, um, for everybody to see would be really helpful. And I think that's for, for the most of people who are not involved in core or not working on core, it's difficult to know what's coming down the road and what the longer term plans are. And I think having open community discussions about that and actually having a roadmap that shows kind of where we plan to be the end of next year, the end of the year after that would be really helpful for a lot of people who are working um, on the outside of WordPress, maybe working on plugins, maybe working on themes, and just kind of having a general idea of where we're headed. And if and if we don't know where we're headed and we're not willing to publicly share that, then that would be a concern. No, I think that's, I, I totally agree with that. I think having like a more transparent roadmap of, of where it's going would help everyone. And I do think communication is, in, in as it is in all things, I think communication is the key uh, to you know, making sure that everybody is kind of on the same page with this. Um, Jonathan, what are, what are your thoughts overall? Well, once again, I agree with Jackie. Um, um, you know, you really need to read the comments, and um, and I, I thought Morton's remarks were spot on. And he's consistently been saying that, you know, um, he was going to try and join us, but he's... Um, probably busy with his baby uh, um, but he's cons he's been really consistent in his comments not in general and also on this show when he's joined us about this particular subject and I, and I totally agree with him I, I see it as a the, you know there's different layers to this you know there's personal 
animosity that, that comes out. You know, some people for just don't get on with one another in any community. You know, they just don't like one another. And that's just part of life, isn't it? But um, like I agree with Morton, that I, I, I do feel that there's something deeper as well. And that's a structural problem about how the WordPress org foundation is organized what you know how decisions are made how public those decisions are um how mistakes are are dealt with all these type of things and um he's been consistently saying that something needs to be done and i I, and i agree with him but it does seem to be falling on deaf ears really doesn't it yes um, you know, I, I think just more communication is, is what's needed. Like, I just need to listen and, and kind of get together. And, and um, there definitely needs to be some more outreach from the core team to the rest of the community to, you know, make them feel like they are being heard. I, I think that would go that way. Um, I actually disagree, John. Um, I understand where you're coming from, John, but I actually think there's okay. a there's a structural problem in the way that WordPress, um, the WordPress Foundation is organised and run. And there's a lot of talk about community and community um, um, spirit and um, democracy, but how the actual um, core structure is run is not democratic, is not community based um re- there's a lot of um the right um and is it you know you, when you go to WordCamp or you you meet some of the major contributors they are oh, like what sally said seem really nice people but i i agree with malton that there's a fundamental problem with the structure of how this community and the um WordPress Foundation is organised that really needs to be sorted out. It, it does seem as if things have not, you know, things have not necessarily moved on in terms of the, the structure from the early days when you had a much smaller community and it was, you know, it's always easier to get in on something at, at the beginning of it. And then later on, the, there are more barriers to participation, not intentionally, but just because, well, you haven't been there for that long history of, of you know, what people have, have built up so far and, and uh, you end up getting, a, you know, an effect of an in-group because you have a team of, of people who've been working together for a long time and being a new mem- becoming a new member of, of that team uh, is not so easy. There, you have to have something in place for onboarding and and so on and, and so forth. And uh, you know, it's a. I think Morton is right. This is an issue that that afflicts many organizations as they grow, and it is um, exacerbated by the fact that you know most of the work is done on a, a, a volunteer basis. Um, well, no, you, and, and that does make it hard and stuff. Sorry. No, um, also, you but, know, I might be totally wrong here. It's only my personal reflection is that there, there is, and I, I think you could sense that in some of the tone of the article, 
is that there's a feeling that you're either in um, or you're you're given a black ball and you're um, you're out, and it's not really very clear why you're out or why you're you're no longer one of the chosen, um, one of the inner group. It's got. There's a lot of feeling around that and it's a bit of a cancer because if it grows, it is going to become a major problem. And and like I said, I I do think that, you know, uh, as any organization, as it grows, you need to put camp the same, you know, as, as you grow, there needs to be some sort of assessment and, and again, I think this is not specifically like a WordPress problem. This is like just a human problem in general. Um, I think there's always going to be like some degree of like misunderstanding. Um, but, and I guess I can see both sides, you know, and definitely uh, there are people that, that feel like they're not being heard. And there has been a lot of frustration, I think, in, in the general community of like, you know, how do you uh, you know, get her voice to serve by the core team. Um, but I think you kind of have to, to, to do that, I think you have to go through the steps and, and kind of like be initiated into that and, and, you know, earn some trust with the core team as a contributor. And I think somebody was writing, I can't remember if this is in the comments or somewhere else, but you, you kind of have to, from what I understand, like kind of like learn to speak their language in a way. To, to kind of become part of that. And, and so maybe that's some people who are just, um, that's too much of a barrier for them. And it's off them. And, and maybe that's part of the issue. So it is a, you know, it is a big project and, and they're doing a great job, but you know, they are running at 110 speed as Morton said. So maybe slowing down and be a little better. Um, what do you think, Jonathan? Are, are we about ready for a break? Yes, we are, John. It's time It's time to go for our first break. Okay. So we're going to go for our first break, and then we're going to come back to the main topic, which is going to be all about website redesigns. What should you consider? Uh, what things are you looking out for? What things should you be planning for? Uh, and we'll see you after the break. Buying or selling a home in the greater Reno-Tahoe area? I know the best CRS real estate broker, and that's Karen Conrad. And you can find her at karenconrad.com or call directly at 775-527-7021. All right, we're back and we're talking with our Saturday morning panel. We are here every Saturday on Fire Talk, uh, 10 a.m. Saturdays Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. You can get a free ticket, you can join our chat, watch us live, and participate. Uh, so our main topic is website redesigns. What should you be considering? Uh, and I'm going to start with this question, and we'll, I'll go clockwise, Sally. Um, well, actually, I'll go Sally, Jackie, and Jonathan. Uh, you know, why do people, like, even want to redesign their site anyway? Why should they bother? I mean, look. look I've got a business. It's it's open. It's been here for twenty years, and and my website hasn't been changed. And I'm not going out of business yet. Why 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 do you need to redesign my site, Sally? <laughs> okay, so you know I had been planning to update my 
business website for years. I mean, there were a couple of different possible themes I'd gone through and, you know, because my portfolio was outdated and there was, you know, it, it, it just, it needed to be refreshed. But I was busy and I didn't get around to it. And I didn't get around to it. And the thing that finally pushed me into it was the approach of mobile Geddon because my site was so old that it was not uh, mobile friendly. And, you know, Google made it clear, we're going to start penalizing you in mobile search if your site is not mobile friendly. And, and I also have been having some experience of the, the number of, uh, you know, site visitors that I got that were using tablets or, or phones. Uh, so I, you know, finally sat down and, and you know, pushed through uh, getting the site up, uh, even if the, you know, portfolio wasn't totally complete. And, you know, I, I made sure there was enough in there to be useful. Uh, and, uh, you know, so there are sometimes very specific things that like you discover such, such and such is broken and it matters to your business. Uh, yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Uh, so Jackie, uh, have you found that like a lot of people, uh, contacted you for redesign like when they heard that Google was going to uh, you know, drop the hammer on them uh, in mobile garden? I think that is a that has been a concern for people that um, their website wasn't accessible and it depends on the business that um, you're talking about. If you're a retail store or a garden center or something where there's a real likelihood that people are going to be visiting your site on a mobile device and expecting to get some information that they need, like directions, phone number, things like that, that that's a real catalyst for wanting a site redesign if your current site doesn't support that. Uh, some other things are just diminishing returns on your existing website. You're not seeing the traffic that you used to get. You are not getting the leads that you got if you have a website that is uh, you have a business where your website is generating leads for you that is actually feeding sales into your business if you're noticing that you're getting diminishing returns on that or if you never had a site where you could dynamically generate content where you had a static site uh, for years and nothing was ever updated on your site and now you wanted to start sharing you know, writing blog posts and um, finding different ways of marketing and integrating social media into your website. Those could be all really valid reasons why you would want to do a redesign. Uh, no, it makes total sense. Uh, you know, Jonathan, uh, you know, over there in Reno and Carson City and, and all the other people that you're uh, servicing is do people like when they hear things like, hey, you know, Google is going to penalize you for this or that. Is that when people spring to action? And uh, is that the only thing that makes people spring to action is when they actually think that they're going to lose rank or sales or, or something like that? Well, I think it really depends. But um, to be truthful about it, I think a lot of what we've just said I would say 90% of the audience in Reno, in Northern Nevada, we would have lost them about 10 minutes ago um, about what we're talking about, to be quite truthful, John. Um, they would have no com comprehension, you know. And I think that's one one of the factors, and we've discussed that before on the panel show, is... Um, because we're mixing with WordPress people, 
we're really interested in the subject, we get in a bubble, basically. And um, and I don't know if that's different in where Jackie, you know, in her local business community and Sally and yourself, John, but in Reno, in Northern Nevada, I would have said that we would have lost a lot of people about 15 minutes ago in the normal business community, what we're saying. So what does make people in Reno decide to update their websites? Um, it's it's envy and fear, really, Sally. It's either somebody, one of their competitors has woken up and realises a lot of new people moving into Northern Nevada and their normal network of um, really tight connections, which feeds them um, referrals. It's just they need to do more and especially if they're not established uh, or they want they're, they're moving into a new sector um somebody else has got already invested some money and time and they got envy or it's fear sally you know basically the business is starting to decline they're not getting they're finding it harder to get really quality referrals um, and they know that they haven't really invested and they've told by somebody they trust that they really need to do something about their online presence. So they're the two things in my experience in Northern. It's either envy or fear that drives them to consider investing on their online presence, Sally. I think that does broadly Johnson. describe the things we've said more technically. Okay. Uh, you know, you guys made a great point, like Sally and Jonathan, uh, both. The envy and fear are really like what, what, in my experience too, that is like what drives like the majority of businesses. Um, it's either fear that they're going to drop out of Google or the sudden realization, you know, maybe that they've, they used to be number one or whatever in the top three, and now suddenly they're not. Uh, so there's that fear that their competitors are going to get all their business or Google's going to drop them like a rock. Um, or the envy that, like, hey, here's this person that's my competitor and I'm aware of them and they have a brand new site and now they're, you know, I need to do something to keep up. Because one thing that, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I agree with you on that point. And I think that sometimes clients will assume their, if their website's outdated, that people will think their business is as well. And I think that is also something that links together very well. If you're, if the competitors have modern, uh, updated websites, and, you know, mobile friendly and everything, they think they're hip. They, they know what's going on in, in their business community. And I think somebody who has a really, real old website will feel when they look at others' websites that maybe maybe their customers will think they're not up to date on anything then, maybe not just their website. So I think it does have, it does create an impression of that. And I know, think that's a reasonable, then, a reasonable fear that if your website yeah. is, is not only old fashioned looking, but doesn't have current information on it, that people will get the impression that you're, you know, you're, you're just not very with it. Yeah. If but, you see a website where they've got a copyright at the bottom, that's like, you know, six years old and they haven't <laughs> updated the site and you're thinking about contacting them to do business with them, you're going to, 
they're, I've, they're kind of I've hesitate. I've hesitated. Yes, I have. Yeah, but, and I've looked for an alternative. Yeah, but Jackie, do you think? Do you think that's because you're in the in the web development um, consultancy industry? Do you do you think that is something that you pick up instantaneously, but somebody in Reno or small town America um, who's not in a major metropolitan area is really that concerned about? I agree. With I, you. I think they, I think there might be. I look at websites completely differently than probably somebody who's not doing that for a living. You know, uh, I'll, when I go somewhere, I'll notice all the elements and how things are laid out. And I think some people don't. But I think usability is what they're after. So somebody who doesn't know anything about web design and goes to a website and has difficulty using it, they're not going to say, oh, well, this is poorly designed and this isn't, you know, I don't like the layout of this. They're just going to say, this isn't working. Let's pick a different site to go to. And that's what will happen. Right. I mean, even people in, in small towns or, or, you know, provincial areas, if they're using the internet, you know, if they're using the web, they are exposed to current trends in design because, you know, they're going to Facebook, they're going to Amazon, they're going to, and that those places set expectations in their minds, but they're not conscious of it, but set expectations in their minds about how websites are supposed to work. And, and what you should be able to do when you when you go to one. And so, you know, they may not be able to like sort of pick out the date, you know, at which a, a certain older design was trendy or, or anything like that. They'll just mm -hmm. know it, it doesn't look the way they're expecting it to look or it doesn't do what they're expecting right. it to be, well, to be able to do. Exactly. Well, certainly going to a site that is not mobile friendly on a phone, you're going to quickly realize that, you know, this isn't even usable for you. You can't see anything. You can't. Yeah, I was being I was being the devil's advocate a little bit there, um, but um, gosh, Jonathan, how unusual! Oh, that was so <laughs> that was so English, Sally. Like I say, you only spent four years, but you're more English than I am. Uh, um, uh, um, but um, what I think you you see even in large companies, they're. Their, how their website works on a mobile de device is horrendous. It's, well, I'm not talking small kind of regional or town-based business. I'm talking about companies in the Fortune 500 and their, their mobile presence is truly, truly right. atrocious. You know, and in that case, it's not that they can't afford to have their website redesigned, but think about the number of people who have to sign off on the project in an organization of, of, of that size. I mean, you know, if you're dealing with a, a freelancer or a business that's a, that's a couple of people, you know, you've got a small number of decision makers. As long as they know, you know, they can afford it and they're going to get something that helps their business, they can make the decision. You can go on and build the site. If you're dealing with a large corporation, you know, it's going to take weeks or months for them even to say, all right, we should do this. And just as long for them to then de decide what they should do. Yeah, no, but, and, and oh, sorry, John. Oh, that's cool. Um, I, I'm just going to say, like, I, I think it really, like, the drive to redesign the site, it, it depends on industry, and it's by comparison. Like, and I think if, and I'll give you a good example, and, and tell me if you agree with this, but, like, accounting websites, like, a lot of them are horribly outdated, at least, like, you know, around here, and there's, like, zero drive for, like, a lot of these people to update their site because every 
all the other competitive sites are are the same. They're you know like ten years behind. But in other industries, there's a huge push. Yeah, it's re- it's really quite strange. Also, a lot, especially in the financial, legal, where you have a lot of regular um, control over what can be said or supposedly said. Um, I I get the feeling that it's used as an excuse not to put put original content, to try and do something slightly not totally kind of template industry acceptably based. For people regulated industry to, to do social participation or blogging yeah. or, or whatever, but they, you know, they have to be more careful than, than someone else. But yeah, it, it's, I think that it's, it's easy to use barriers like that as an excuse not to bother doing anything. Yeah. It's just, and also there's the darker side because funny enough, I've had a couple of discussions this week with clients um, or I'm, we're just doing some minor they've come on board on the WP Tonic program and I've just been discussing and I just heard some horrendous stories outside of that about clients that gone to supposedly rectable I don't know what the, how to put this um, but they've been taken basically they've just had a horrendous experience and they've been taken to the cleaners they you know they've had a project where they have spent you know given like ten fifteen thousand, and the project is either rubbish, or it they, it was never finished. Uh, the developer, the agency, did a runner with the with the money, never finished it, um, and you don't know all the ins and outs. But when you look at what was done you just kind of shake your head and um so i was speaking to quite a few they're really reluctant to update their site or engage with a freelance or a small agency because they just had such a last time that they had such a horrendous experience (laughs) they just don't want to do it you can't you can't blame them (laughs) you know if if they were ripped off to the tune of a a chunk of money that that they you know couldn't just pull out of a sock drawer they're going to be very cautious and they're not necessarily equipped to evaluate yeah. whether somebody's going to do a good job yeah they it's i've found that they are either really naive when it comes to that or they or they go over the top like they get like 12 different quotations and they spend like six months doing it or or they won't they won't they only talk to one person that they're supp- that they're highly recommended, but that person doesn't really know what the hell they're doing, um, and because the person that recommended them has no ability to judge who they recommended in the first place. So I found it's really it tends to be all over the place. Why either the, they've just been re- recommended from a source that doesn't know enough to make a recommendation or they go to the other extreme where they're just getting um proposals left and right and they i still don't really understand that you know and they 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 get confused by too much information being sent to them if you aren't if i'm making any sense no i i think that's a great point and it, it actually leads into to something that i wanted to ask for sure um would you say 
that they either kind of just throw a dart into somebody um, or, you know, they send out, uh, you know, they ask like uh, everybody and their grandma for a quote and then they're in decision paralysis. Um, so, you know, here's one of these questions like, you know, who should you ideally be looking for when you're looking to do a, a redesign, like an agency, a solo consultant, you want to hire somebody in-house? And what are the advantages and disadvantages of each of these uh, avenues, Sally? Okay, I th- I think whether you want you know a single person or or an agency uh, depends partly on the the size of your site. You know, if if it is a big project and you have a ton of content, and uh, uh, you know it's it's going to need to be broken out into several people working simultaneously on on different things like you know. Uh, the content strategy and, uh, you know, the, the assessing the needs for functionality, you know, the, doing the, the, the PHP work, doing the CSS work, uh, you may want to have somebody who is, is either an agency or they've got a reliable group of, of sub, subcontractors that they work with so that you can get all of that covered. If you have a very small site uh, and you don't necessarily need, you know, custom design, uh, or you know, custom whatever, then one person may be able to handle it all. And there are people who are both, you know, good at graphic design and do the you know the whole development end of it. But it's it's more often you find that that people are more specialized. I I will say, you know, go through your find somebody who can go through a, a good discovery process with you and and a needs analysis before you start hiring somebody to make designs somebody to 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 you know write php code and and so on because if you you know so many people start with the design and it's maybe a really pretty design and totally inappropriate to the type of of content that you have uh and so you really need to uh, assess what it is you have and what you're trying to achieve and then hire people who know that they're trying to help you accomplish that particular thing when you create your website. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, the discovery process is key. And I think to me that kind of separates, that separates kind of like just somebody who's like fumbling through it to somebody who's like, okay, like I'm going to lead you through this like a professional and, and actually get into the outcome that you're desiring. I, Jackie, you know, uh, when people are seeking to have their site redesigned, like, you know, who should they be looking for? Uh, does it depend on the type of site? And you know, what, you know, what sort of advantages and disadvantages are there to, you know, hiring, you know, a, a big agency or a consultant or, uh, you know, just trying to hire somebody in? You know, what's the pros and cons? Well, one of the things is, you know, your budget's going to drive a lot of a lot of these decisions and, and, and the size of your business. If you're talking about somebody that has 100 employees and they have a website, that's a completely different thing than a mom and pop shop um, that's got, you know, two employees and a very small budget for a website. So those are completely different things. Um, a lot of people start their their search on when they want to redesign by looking and seeing what competitors are using and maybe who did their sites and kind of getting an idea of who's in your local market that you could talk to. And sometimes you're going to want to go outside of your local market. Maybe the, if you're in a niche market and there's a niche expert that works in that, in that 
vertical and that that might be a better choice for you. But budget's going to drive a lot of those decisions. If your project tends to be on the small side, then you're probably going to be better off with an individual, uh, a freelancer working because you'll get more features for the money you're spending. You don't have as much overhead to cover. An agency is really good if you're larger and you're going to need people that have lots of different hats, you know, where you need a graphic designer, you need a content strategist and you, you, you may. And that is a big decision. If you don't know how to write any content, you don't have any content on your website yet, then picking somebody who can help you with that. If that's not your forte and you can't do that is something to really consider when you're looking at a website is not just a container. It's what's in the container that really matters. And you either need to hire somebody who can help you put that together, or you need to be confident that yes, you've got that part covered. And then you need to find the container to put your things in. That's, that's a great point. Uh, Jonathan, like, uh, you know, you should people be looking at and what's the pros and cons of each approach? Well, I, like, again, I agree, you know, but also Jackie has touched this in previous roundtables. Um, I think the whole industry is smoke and mirrors and totally sick, really. Um, but it's down to what Jackie said. Um, I think, first of all, for understandable reasons, it's all back back to front. It's the content. You need to get all your content sorted out. And have some idea what you, the hell you're going to put on. And it does tend to be left to the last minute. And it should be the first thing that's talked about. And if you talk to an agency and they say, you know, normally most clients, unless they've got a bit of experience, have got ridiculous time frames about how this is going to, how much time and effort. And... First of all, you need to ask around about realistic time frames, and then you soon can judge the agencies and the freelancers that are just interested in getting your money, because they're going to just say, "Oh yeah, you know, we can get this done in two weeks. We can get this done all up and for you for this budget, and we're right all this unique content." And they're not going to do any of it. They're just going to take the deposit check ask you for some more money halfway through the project. If you don't agree to it, they're just going to disappear. <laughs> That's the really So it's really, you know, you have a it, It's really difficult because you also have a lot of clients for obvious reasons want really good value for money. But they also basically just go for the cheapest bid they get. And a lot of those people just disappear. Uh, if anything goes wrong, they're off. There, there is a degree to which you get what you pay for. And, you know, there are there are people in the interest, industry who are either, you know, they're they're just not competent enough to, to, oh, to, to do it, or, or they are, as you say, d- deceptive. They're, they're out to rip people off. Yeah. And, and we've all had clients who, who had experiences with those kinds of people and feel very burned and nervous. Uh, I don't think that's most people in the industry. And I do think that there are people like that in every industry that, that there is. Uh, but it, yeah, it's, if you're thinking about a redesign, you need to, to consider how can you know that these people will actually follow through. And, and that usually comes back to who can you contact who is a, a previous client of theirs to find out what it was like working with them. And, uh, you know, um, 
I, I know one agency in my area who who's well established, and they're con artists. I, I've spoken, I've spoken to a number of clients that have been totally ripped off by them. But I also know a lot of people in the establishment of Northern Nevada that would recommend them. Um, I know a couple of freelancers in this area that regularly take deposits and don't produce content. Don't. Do, produce a finished site and it's not the uh, one occasion is, it's uh, multiple uh, occasions apparently a deposit that's like not worth going to small claims court over well um i think a lot of people decide it's not worth them attempting that because they got you know for various reasons that i don't really want to go but I also know there's a lot of a lot of top agencies. You know, if it's below ten, it, at a certain budget, they're just going to farm it out to a junior freelancer, twelve year old normally, and it's going to be based on a forest theme anyway. And they're just going to knock it out for the client. Unfortunately, that's true. It, it is kind of like you know, very often if you hire a law firm or a PR firm, it's not the partner who's really doing most of the work. You know, it's the associate. It might be the intern. You know, but they're billing you at the partner's rate. Yeah. Yep. I think you need to look for when you're if you're looking to have your website done and you're interviewing or you're talking to people and you're doing your research. I think it really it would really be helpful to pay attention to the types of questions that they're asking you upfront in the beginning about you? Are they interested in your business? Do they want to understand how your business works? Are they talking to you about, well, what content do you have? Do you have an existing website? Have you gone through your content? Just, just little red flags. If you're not being asked any of those things and you are just say, you know, saying here, let me, would you like a site like this or one like this, you know, pick one of these and we'll worry about all the details later. That's a red flag. That would be that they're not taking the time to understand your business and appropriately price the project because a project that has no content where you're expecting to have a site delivered that does is a completely different price than just purchasing a theme for existing content that you already have. So I think you really need to look at that and say when you're talking to somebody to see if they're really interested in understanding your business and what your needs are and why. The first question I ask people when I talk to them is, why do you why do you want to make a change right now? Why do you need a website? Either if you don't have one, why do you need one? And then if you do, why are you interested in making a change right now? And let's yeah. find out the real reasons what the motivation is. Yeah, and just to finish off before we go to our break, John, uh, I, 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 don't get me wrong, folks. I think this applies both ends because I hear a lot of hardcore developers say, oh, it's only a marketing site. And it drives me crazy when I hear that, because all I've got to say is, yeah, it might be just a marketing site, but you try and produce a marketing site that converts, that actually gets real paying clients to that client's door, and really, you know, has a morphology of navigation and has content that actually leads to real conversion. You just try and have a go at it and see how hard it is in 2016. So, yeah, hold uh, that thought because I want to talk more about it brother. Break. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, definitely. Uh, great points there all. It is easy to build a site, but is it going to be what you want it to be? That's the $64 
thousand question. Uh, okay, it's time for the second break, and then we we come back. We'll have time for maybe one more question on the regular podcast. We'll see you in a sec. Want to turn your WordPress website into an online speed machine? Go on over to WP Tonic. They'll set up DigitalOcean websites hosting on solid state drives. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for WP Tonic's maintenance packages. WP Tonic offers some of the very best WordPress maintenance packages on the market. So those who are serious about getting the very best platform for their WordPress sites, make sure you go on over to wp-tonic.com. So yeah, and a great point. We're talking website redesigns, uh, what you should consider. A, a great thing to consider is like if you're hiring an agency or a consultant, you are just you know basically paying them one off. If you hire somebody in-house, what I've found definitely is you can pay them a full salary for six months to a year and still not come up with something that converts. So you know that is something to consider as well. Um, one thing that we were talking about before the break was what things should you be gathering, what things should you be thinking about leading into a redesign. And you know, Jonathan and Jackie and Sally all said. Uh, you know, you should be thinking about what your message is, what your content should be, um, you know, what sorts, how does this process go, like leading into a redesign, uh, you know, what does that look like, you know, focusing, you know, what you want this to be, Sally? Uh, generally, you know, it, I want to set up some fairly extended discovery with people to find out. Uh, you know, not only what they know that they need and want it to do, if, because, you know, in, in, in some cases, there's something that's really broken and frustrating to them so that they have, you know, that problem they want to fix. And then they have maybe the overall aim of the site, you know, it's an e-commerce site that wants to sell products or a, a membership site that wants to sell subscriptions, or it's a, a lead generation site and you want to, you know, capture people's emails and something like that. But often I find that there are things that people need that they're not really aware of because they don't know enough about what you can do with a with a website and, and they may be handling something like you know okay I'm, I'm using blog posts for everything I'm using blog posts to you know put events in here or press releases in here or specials in here and then you know there's a bunch of content that's both sort of hard to sort and, and search uh, and you know it, it may be outdated and, and not interesting. So, you know, looking looking at it and seeing is there is there a better way to structure this so that it's more effective, more efficient. You know, if you're using an events plugin, your events will expire when they're over. You're just going to see the ones that are coming up. Um, so, you know, the and and the other thing is. I hardly feel like I can write a proposal for something until I've done a decent amount of, of discovery because I don't know what what's needed uh, or or how tough it's going to be. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think that that you want to, even if you choose to hire a developer who is purely a developer and only cares about the, the technical problems, you need to hire someone who is a consultant to figure out which technical problems really need to be solved. Yeah, I totally, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, but you find, you know, unless you're like a really small startup, or it's, or it, you know, there's various that can't afford decent discovery. But I think if it's any kind of reason, I I agree totally with Sally. You know, I think a lot of this comes because a lot of clients are really reluctant to pay for paid discovery. And it 
they're slighting their face just to save nickel, they're nickel and diming um, because a lot of their problems come to not hiring somebody who might not end up doing the site but writes them a good discovery document and gives them some idea about but what is a realistic budget, a realistic time frame, blah blah blah. And these then they've got um a road map and then they then they've got something that other companies can give realistic quotes to because unless you have that they they're just giving you they're such such generalistic quotes that they're meaningless. They're you know, and if they underquote and it gets a bit sticky. They're off. They're gone. They're gone with your deposit, or they're, or they're just gone because they can't make. They, you know, they can't right. make or, any money. Or you have this awkward situation where the developer has, oh, I screwed up. I need to ask for more money. Or, you know, they decide to suck it up, but then they're pissed at you for the entire rest of the project. Yeah, that's about yep. it. Well, so, Jackie, you know, I know you've got opinions on this. Like what? should they be doing like leading into redesign what kind of structure uh should you know the business uh be looking for like when you're going into this next redesign i think they really need to ask themselves what is their website doing for them or what do they want it to do for them i think they really need to understand that i think many people think they're they need to have a website but they're not exactly sure why and they're not exactly sure of what are the benefits of having it? Maybe there's some benefits that they haven't, they don't even realize that are there that once you've explained it, how this website could benefit you uh, would change their perspective on how they wanted to approach it. I think a lot of times, many of them just, I need to get something up, let's get it up. And you, we, we've talked about this um, on other podcasts about, you know, not approaching the content from the beginning is where you get off track. That's just how the whole thing kind of goes sideways from there. If you understand what what the content is, what it's going to be, it makes the design go so much easier. It makes the rest of the process go easier, but it also adds more value to the project. And I think clients will recognize the value that they're getting in their website because you're going through that process of defining what the value is for that website for them. And there's going to be cases where there's not a lot of value. There's There are situations where... There's not a lot of value to the website, and it should be as low cost as possible. It could be, you know, a one-page website might work for somebody just starting off in a photography studio or doing something like that. And I think you need to be – we do a disservice to people, I think, when we say, oh, you know, we need to get you a self-hosted WordPress site. We need to get you all of these other things for something as simple as that. So, I, And that's where I think some of the the miscommunication comes in in the industry is, is not – you know, it's because I only do self-hosted WordPress sites. That's all I'm going to recommend to you. And, you know, or trying to talk people into things that perhaps they're not ready for. Or meeting a client that has way greater needs than you're possibly able to fill and then trying to cram all that and make it work into your workflow and how you're doing things and not bringing in other people that can help solve some larger problems for them. So I think being open to... Um, finding some partners that you can refer business to. So, so if you've got somebody that needs a one-page website and that's not what you're good at doing, then network with somebody. Find somebody who's really good at that and refer those people there. And if you've got a large project that you can't handle, well, get a group, 
together that can do it with you or know who you can refer those things out to so that you get a reputation of being somebody that's really solving problems and not trying to um, just force a solution um, into something, whether it's a fit or not. Yeah, it's not. it's not a crime to have a small budget, but you also know that if, if you have a restricted budget, you have to have restricted expectations. And, you know, exactly. may, maybe you start off by putting something up at Wix or even just using your Facebook or your, or your LinkedIn page, you know, to, to, to begin with. Uh, you know, as you grow, that's not going to be a good solution. But for the very beginning, uh, you know, it might really be better for you to uh, to not overextend yourself and, and not invest too much in, in something that it's probably too early to see a lot of returns from. And ask yourself what you what your what your expectations are for the website in the future. If 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 you plan on selling products later, you need to you know you need to be planning for that direction. Then if you're if you just need an informational brochure site and that's all you're going to be using, then you know no problem. If you're a dentist and you want people to be able to book appointments online and some other things in the future, well, those are things that need to be discussed with your consultant in the beginning and somebody who's helping you go through the discovery process so that you can kind of get set up in the right direction to even add those things later on. Maybe you're not, you don't have a budget for that right now, but it's nice to have the infrastructure and pick the right infrastructure so that you can scale to that later. Yeah, yep. I, I kind of agree with both Sally and Jackie, but I, I think I'm not a great fan of these hosted solutions. Like, we, I, I think oh, I got, personally detest them. I but think they got I, I under, they got a place, but I think I've what I say. I think it's best if you it's best to have four really good pages than twenty mediocre pages. So if all you have to go for and also smaller clients tend to get how to put this that that it's better to write really good four pages of content and not you know have a reasonably good looking site based on a template but they get engrossed with the home page and the graphic and they they have expectations which their budget cannot match to and then they find they get some person that hasn't done this a lot that's not strong enough to tell them look just let's get some good content up for these four pages and get a good logo and let's get this up and let's start getting some clients for you and getting it make some money for you um i've seen it all i've been in this game for about seven eight years i really have seen it all i've spoken and it's a real game, isn't it, John? It's real, it's real. Um, we're going to close out the podcast portion of the show. Uh, be sure to go to wp-tonic.com for the bonus content. Uh, you can also find that on YouTube. Want to remind you, uh, go find us on iTunes, WP Tonic. We'd love it if you would leave us a review and subscribe. Those reviews really help us out. And help other people discover, uh, you know, the, what we're sharing here. Uh, so if you enjoy this, you appreciate it if you leave us a review. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube, um, you know, and leave us a comment on the videos there. Uh, so panel, uh, outro for the podcast, how can we get a hold of you, Sally? Sure. You can find me at WPFangirl.com, and I am at Sally Getch on Twitter and many other places. Uh, if you just uh, search for my name. You will find me. Very nice. Jackie, how do we get a hold of you? 
You can find me at JackieDelia.com and I'm on Twitter at jdelia. Yeah, Yeah, like my great co-host said, um, we're going to continue the conversation for another 15, 20 minutes, which is going to be on the website and also on the YouTube channel. So go there to um, see more of my dismal attitude. And and, um, no, thanks. It's just realism. And how to get hold hold of me? Well, just go to the WP Tonic site and and use the contact form. I reply personally apart from the spammers and go on twitter at jonathan denwood um i'm always around i'm always lurking on twitter so you'd be surprised how quick i reply so that's how you get hold of me very good and you can find me at my website which is lockdowndesign.com and you can follow me on twitter at lockdown underscore so for the podcast this has been episode 119 Catch us on YouTube and on the website.